Welcome to Crashing Game Night. My name is Matt Diorio. Tonight, the mayor of Brucago, the host of the Spawn on Me podcast, Khalif Adams, is Crashing Game Night with us. What's good? Side out to Tippy Tie. What the DOB, everybody <laughs> here. I'm excited to rock with you all. I'm very happy to be rolling in uh, here from Planet Brucago to be hanging out with y'all tonight. So thank you so much for having it's me. It's a pleasure to have you on here. Um, and we're joined by always my co-host, the B Need One. Gerard Barrera. Oh, hello. What's up, all my fellow nerds? That's right. Not only the beanie bean, the beanied one, excuse me, but the stashed one as well. I am working on it. It is looking good and nice and clean, baby. Looking That's good, right. Jerry. I like We're it. Here. I like it. Bro, Jason Belidio, to... Lion's Mane, Theo, my co-hosts. I want you to take off the beard one day, keep the stash, and then throw on the Zorro mask, <laughs> and we got this. Done. Oh, actually... <laughs> I might yeah, low-key have one. Dude, yeah. <laughs> Please tell me you have the brimmed hat, too. You got to have I it. Do, I didn't go I, that I'll far. I'll buy it for you. I'll buy it for you. <laughs> bandana. Bandana. No. Bandana. No. There we go. The old school with a bandana. Uh, I'll do that. Zoro, baby. Hello. <laughs> Hello, ladies. <laughs> so, so so, how is everyone doing? Khalif, I know it's been a, it's been a week for you. It has been very, very busy. This is the, yeah. the part of the year that I call the Black History Gauntlet. So I will, I will I will be on so many shows and so many cool <laughs> right. things during during this month. Um, hey, I think I think today I'm, no what's today Thursday I don't even know what yeah. date. Yes, <laughs> yesterday I recorded three shows. Wow! Uh, wow! Wow! Today I'm on. So like, let me let me think about it. So I think I've been on at least four shows. No, five shows this week so far. With another Dang. three things happening before Sunday. Man. So oh, wow. It's a, it's, it's a, it is the gauntlet. It is like American gladiators, <laughs> but for podcasting. That's it's a way to start out. the month. Damn. Yeah. It's well-deserved. Oh, it's going to be wild. There's a lot and of stuff coming. <laughs> honestly, with your episode you did last year when everything was happening with Black Lives Matter and stuff like that, your yep. lesson in blackness episode, I think that really solidified you because it's what everybody's referencing too. Yeah, it, it was a really cool moment. I think one of the things that, you know, you never know, and you all know this because you've been podcasting for a minute and understand that like some days you just get lightning in a bottle, right? Yep. Like I know that, you know, the beauty of love of talking to other podcasters is like you all know the language of podcasting. So like I know, especially when you have like a crew to, to talk about that. So like I know that there's been a day when you finished an episode and as soon as that episode was done, you all kind of looked at each other and you were like, oh, shit, we just killed that episode. Yep. That was- <laughs> right. You just jonesing the entire yeah, time. You're you're just like, yeah, you're just like yeah. a whole another hour. It's just like, oh, I'm hyped. Yeah, like you're super excited. And that and weirdly, that episode didn't have that. Um, we all kind of jumped off that show like drained. We were just like, I don't know how to feel. <laughs> I don't know what emotions I'm supposed to have. I have no clue what I'm supposed to think or say. We all kind of just like, I was like, hey, everybody, I love y'all. Thank y'all so much for coming through. And then he was like, you know, if y'all need anything, hit me up later, right? Yeah. And then <laughs> about a week later, something happened. It was a weird thing because this doesn't happen often in the space and especially around conversations like these because so many folks in the industry are like scared to talk about that stuff. They're like not willing to really dig deep and to have those conversations in a bigger kind of broader way. Um, and then I remember seeing a couple of people hit me up and they were like, hey, Ka, this thing is on IGN. Hey, this thing just went over to GameSpot. Hey, this thing just went over to Kind of Funny. 
Like people are talking about this thing in a bigger way. What happened? And I was like, fuck if I know, I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> I was like, I've been doing good work for years now. I don't know why this particular thing was the thing, but it was this, uh, uh, you know, this, this amalgamation of so many different things happening all at the same time with George Floyd being murdered. And then the conversation around black lives matter. And then the conversation from the black community within the gaming space being really vocal about, you know, we're hurting in a way that a lot of folks who, you know, consume our content have no ideas happening behind the scenes. Like when we turn off the microphones and turn off the cameras, there's a lot of pain that's happening here. And we're now vocalizing that in a way that hopefully through this show that, that, you know, Ka and Paris and everybody else was on vocalized a lot of stuff that we've been talking about for decades. Right. Um, and that resonated in a bigger way, in a way that I didn't expect. And it was one of those things where, you know, you always kind of come back to the content a little bit later and you're like, you know, especially as a podcast, you're like, oh, that didn't sound good. Or, oh, that part didn't, that part didn't really work right. Or, you know, my transition here was asked. Like, it's all those kinds of things that kind of come into the conversation when you do yep. that because you nitpick it. Um, but I think that the, I remember very specifically the chat that night and you could feel the energy in that chat was very different in a way that we usually don't get. And it was one where you could feel the people who were at home were like, damn, I understand what this means. Damn, I feel the same way. Damn, I don't have a way to vocalize this, and I'm happy that you're doing it for me. Um, <clears throat> those are very rare moments in, in the podcasting game um, because you, you, you have this fantastic connection to your community, but most times your community is fairly quiet it's a really different medium, right? And especially if yeah. you're not doing it yeah. in a video form. Um, but when you do that part of it and you can emote in the ways that you can and, 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 and talk to people in a way that feels like it's really touching them, um, we, we got a chance to move the needle a little bit with that show. I think that that was, uh, you know, I don't think we got the full credit that we deserved on that in terms of like moving that needle. But I think thinking back on what we were able to do in that really, you know, tight two month span, mm -hmm. Um, we definitely changed the industry in a real way. I think we, we broadened the conversation in a way that is very rare um, around a subject where people are really snake bitten about talking about that thing. You, you, at yeah. least you, yeah, you got it out there and now people yeah. are talking about it. Yeah. Cause you have yeah. to start the combo somewhere. Yeah. 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 And it, cause I, I mean, I've had, I've been in the industry for, you know, over 11, 12 plus years at this point. And I remember people who never felt like they could come to me and say, Hey, Khalif, I didn't know that this was a thing that you, I was like, yeah. well, first of all, have you been listening to the show for the past five years? <laughs> you talked about that thing. <laughs> but it's one of those things where people who really didn't know how to have a language for having that discussion with their audiences were like, oh, I don't know how to say this. Come on the show and you talk mm -hmm. about that thing and then share it with ours so that they can, they can understand. Um, and that was monumental. That was, that was a very, very, very big moment for us. That's very and huge because now you're also you're kind of opening up the yeah. conversation and informing people so they're not so they get comfortable in get, getting into those conversations. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's the biggest thing, too, because, yeah. like you said, most people don't want to talk about it or they don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Or it's, some people it's encouraging the conversation. Yeah, you're it's encouraging even teaching the them how to talk and, about it. Yeah, which yeah. is big. That's big. It's giving them the words to be able to, to uh, display how they feel. Yeah. And I think the thing that, that wind up happening in that moment was you had the folks behind the scenes having those conversations with me and some other folks in that grouping. But it's very rare also to see, you know, folks in that space, for better, or for worse, 
using their platforms in that way to uplift a message like this. I remember four years, because like, we, we've been supporting Black Lives Matter for their whole entire inception. Like, what we, we were there five years ago when Black Lives Matter started. We did our first Spawn for Good for Black Lives Matter five years ago, uh, oh. which, you know, people don't remember that one because it's old, right? Wow. But we right. basically, we, we basically, because it was um, uh, Erica Garner, jo- uh, um, um, Eric Garner's daughter, after he was murdered, we raised money for her in that first one and Black Lives Matter. And then we raised money for the National Network of, um, uh, National League of Lawyers back in New York. So basically you got, oh, wow. you got locked up, they would bail you out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that five years ago when people were still not understanding how to even talk about it. People were talking about BLM like it was a, a terrorist organization, yeah, you know, and we, were, and we were having those conversations five years ago. And then seeing how those folks are now kind of being like, well, well, you won't spend money toward Black Lives Matter. Like, that's awesome. Uh, but it's also one of those things where it's just like, you know, seeing IGN GameSpot kind of funny, you know, mm-hmm. giant bomb, the, the big named folks in the gaming industry, you're like, no, we're going to not do stuff today. We're just going to let you see this show. Yep. That's nuts. Right. That doesn't happen. That's, that's, that's and that's how I found you too, was yeah. because of that. Right. And yeah. because they started putting that out there and, and it was, it inspired me to go, okay, we need to have this conversation. Like I'm, I'm friends with, you know, we're friends with the rusty rupees. Who's yeah. a all black podcast. Um, Darren is a good friend of mine now. And it was like one of those things like, okay, dude, you guys are on, let's talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just yeah. gave them, we gave them the floor and said, we need to, we need to talk about this. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what we all need is we need that conversation. Um, you know, that was one of the things I was going to ask you about what we need to do better. So, I mean, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> well, let me tell you. Know, you. No, let me stop. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah. So, like you <clears throat> talked about this, um, and we'll touch base on the Black Lives Matter stuff because there's quite a bit I want to ask you about that too. Yeah. Um, of course. But so you, you know, you've been in the industry 11, 12 years now doing this, you've been podcasting for eight years. Um, you're a New York born and raised now living on the West coast. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm a trader. That even, <laughs> you're a trader, right? Um, <laughs> Hey, I was born, I was born an hour North of you. So yeah. In the Hudson Valley. Yeah. 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 Um, so how, how did that, that happen? So I got, my dad got transferred with work out to Colorado huh. and then I was out there for 30 plus years, moved out to Virginia a couple of years ago. And now, I'm heading back west though, out to Phoenix. With, oh, west coast, best coast. So, yeah, so we're gonna be back. There's just honestly, Cliff, you know this from being a New Yorker and stuff like that. Yeah, life life out west is different than life out oh, east. Oh God, it's so and different. especially since I live, I'm in Virginia. You know, granted, I'm in Richmond, which is thankfully blue, but the rest <laughs> of the state is really, really red. Um, but uh, you know, you've also been like we were touching on a big advocate for people of color um that is that is your big thing if anybody um listens to your podcast it it spells it out right there and there as you know your intro which is amazing um so i know you wanted to originally get into games like actually making games so how what happened that you went from having the dream of making games to having to pivot to doing the media side of the equation let me tell you about a little story about math. 
Math sucks. Uh, Amen. Math sucks horribly. Ass. Especially uh, physics. physics. Especially physics and trigonometry. F you trigonometry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. F you and your cosines. Um, it's one of it's one of those things where um I I always wanted to get in games. Again, I've been playing games since I was like four. You know, I'm 42 now. And it's one of those things where the you know, conversations around like, you know, don't sit in front of the TV so close. Oh, you really don't need to do all that and just spend your life playing video games because that's not going to get you anywhere. Um, you know, all those conversations yep. and all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, lends mm-hmm. to making you not really necessarily look in those directions as a way to do it. Video games was my was my inlet to was my was my gateway drug into tech anyway. You know, like I, I, you know, most of my life was an, an IT nerd. I was one of the guys doing support desk work, you know, doing that kind of stuff. I was working at a, at a union back home in New York uh, for a long period of time. And that was when I started to think about media being the place that, it, that I could make some impact there. Um, and it wasn't, wasn't one of those things where I was like, hey, Khalif is a good writer or Khalif has this kind of like special gift that he kind of understands that he's going to be you know, in this space doing that stuff. It really just started because I felt stupid at work. <laughs> like, that's what it was. I felt like an idiot. I was like, hey, I'm sitting at this desk doing this desk job, doing IT tickets for wonderful. I love them. They're brilliant human beings. I love them with every fiber of my being, but they didn't know their mouse pad from their elbow. <laughs> and did you try you to turn work, it on and off again? Yeah, yo, it was it was it was that straight up IT uh, crap. It was IT crap, but it was worse because the folks were a lot older oh, than right. I was. Did you oh, did you so, have the the coffee oh, holder? Yeah. The coffee, coffee holder problem oh, with the disc drive? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh what does this do? Can I keep punching it? Can I keep touching it? Like so, the, so you had to have a lot of patience, didn't you? The beauty of the, the beauty of working in IT is that there's two parts of it that are fantastic. One, um, you learn how to become a therapist without getting paid to be a therapist. <laughs> yep. And two, um, the answer I don't know is the most valid answer on the planet. Because yep. <laughs> it's a literal thing. You can be like, I don't know. You walk, you can walk away and be like, I don't know. <laughs> And then just leave. And then he's like, I, but I will find out. This is the two. It's a part yep, of that. That's, the, that's the, thing. the second part of that equation, right? It's like, I don't know, but I will find out. I can ask um, somebody. Yeah. And then you ask somebody. And you're like, oh, shit. I just, hey, do you know how to do that thing? Like, yeah, I know how to do that thing. Reboot it. Okay. Okay. All right. Reboot it. Um, Dude, that sounds like us, Theo. It sure <laughs> is. But that's what it is. It's like, as an IT guy, that's, just, that's yep. part of the deal, right? It's like, you do that stuff. Yep. And it was, I love those folks, but it was like, my brain was turning to mush, right? Was, was it because like, mm. you were kind of like you felt stagnant and you were kind of doing the same thing? Yeah, it's literally it was Groundhog's Day every day. I was just like, yes, I understand that your mouse doesn't work. Could you understand to not drop it in liquid? That would be great. If we get figure, oh, can you can you, can you not have like so? There was a, so there's a every IT person knows this. There's like the there's like the one cubicle that you never want to go to because it's dirty as hell. Yeah, it's like yep. I never want to go in there because I need a hazmat suit to get yep. in. Oh, oh no! So there was a, there was this one person that we used to like my 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 boy. Like we used to work together. We worked there for like almost a decade together doing IT to help us stuff. And we would go like you know like flip a coin who has to go into that room. <laughs> <laughs> like we we would like literally when people like, like when that cat would call us up to be like hey my keyboard's not working, we would go in and we would be like shit. 
Like who? Like who is the one? Like all right, like uh, yep. like you like you like you would like to heave. You're like uh, like I don't I don't want to go in that space because I know I'm going to come out with something. Like if I like that room, that one cubicle was probably where COVID began. Like that one. Cubicle. Oh, oh no, god! No clue. Like, love yeah, up, man. Oh, it's probably like the petri dish for where where COVID started. We had about. I was always afraid. We had like two or three, and it comes out. Yeah, yeah. Enough so, and I'll send you the picture. I'll find it. It's somewhere. It's somewhere on my old on my Facebook account somewhere. But literally, I took a picture of this thing, and it looked like things were crawling out of the keyboard. Oh my god! Like I don't know how you. Like it was a mix of food and body parts, just like like molted body dust. Just taking oh, over this keyboard, and no was, one reported this dude. Everyone reported this dude, and nothing yeah. happened. So, like, is that worse? that's worse. That's so. Yeah, that's even worse. worse. So, like, there's the two, job done. There were two <laughs> things. There was like the keyboard and his seat. Every six months, we had to change out both. Oh, damn. damn! Like, I was like, how do you have a ass? Like, how do you have ass? Stuff in your seat where you just can't sit in the seat. Like how? How do you do this? It's like you, like, you're like straight up like straight up swamp. Ass. You know what though, dude? It was like we, creep show. We probably, like, we probably had that, Theo. <laughs> I mean, we had like, like we were in from an IT perspective. Like Theo and I, that's how we met. We yeah. were kind of like uh, level one, one point five help desk, right? Yep. So we were in a call center area, but we had like three people that were on our desk that you never wanted to go near their desks just nope. because like you get within that like 12 foot radius and it just starts to permeate. Yeah. And you smell it. Oh, and it's like, nope. there, there was, so, I don't, there was one person that we had because he was a contractor, we had to like go to the contractors and it's like, dude, you need to pull HR. A shower needs to happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It was the most awkward conversation because it was like that was when I became a team lead and I was like, oh my god, I can't do this right now. It is it is the was one of the worst things on the planet. So like I was feeling terrible about all those things (laughs) and was like, you know, I need to do something that's gonna make me feel like my brain is in some form of like actual use. Let me, you know, I'm an okay writer. Let me let me start up a blog. Because at that point, that's what everybody Mm -hmm. in my mom was doing. They you started a blog. And I was like, well, you know, I'll maybe do some long form content, give my perspective on some games. I play a lot of stuff all the time. Like, what does that mean? So we did that for a couple of years. It didn't really get, get any traction. It was kind of kind of bad in that respect. Um, but I started to play this game called Sound Shapes on the PSP uh, that Sony put out way back in the day on the PS, mm-hmm. PS2 or PS3. Might have been PS2 or PS3. Uh, probably oh, PS2. Yep. Um, and they had this... Um, it was a music generation game and they had a lot of folks in the community who were making levels for it. Um, oh. So I basically reached out to all of those folks behind the scenes and was like, Hey, I want to do this interview series. I want to, you know, capture all the stuff that you're doing. Cause this stuff is stuff that I love. Cause I love music games. How, you know, let's talk about that stuff. Did a couple of those, put them out on the blog. Started tagging Sony to be like, Hey, this is a cool thing that we're doing. Da, da, da. They said, Hey, they got it. I got an email back. I, you know, a couple of days later, and that was like, "Hey, we were thinking about doing this ourselves. Would you want to take over doing this thing, but put it on the PlayStation blog?" And oh, I was wow. like, "What?" I was like, "Are you serious? You want to like Dang. have me do that thing?" And that was what the, that was the start. So doing that thing for like a couple of months, mm-hmm. and then you know, the PlayStation blog kind of shut down and all that kind of stuff, and the game kind of fizzled. But that was the first moment where I was like, "Huh." I have enough people who are willing to read the stuff that I write and like the stuff that I'm doing, that this may be a space. Um, and then the, the blog kind of died out. And then, you know, I met, I met Cicero Holmes in a game of 2K 
uh, some years after that. He came on to write for the blog for a minute and then we killed it. And I'm like, hey, you know, let's maybe do a podcast. That may be a cool thing that we can do and, and see if we want to do it. We are big fans of Weekend Confirmed and Giant Bombcast and, yeah. and all those other things. And we were like, this might be a thing if we do it, but we don't know what we want to talk about yet. So we kind of just started. We didn't really have a direction yet. And so like year two, when we had Evan Narciss on the show and he had an article that he was doing about black hair um, and why every video game gets it wrong and, and how, you know, how it has an actual purpose and, you know, how to try to get it right. And he was super emotional about that, about that conversation. Cause he was like, literally wrote it like the day before. Um, and that was the biggest episode that we had done at that point because everyone wow. passed it around. They were like, Oh, no one's talking about this. No one's having these conversations from this, this prism. Um, and that then became the North star for the show. We wind up kind of talking about that and say like, you know, What's the niche that we have here that's actually going to kind of do something different? We had seen all the other podcasts kind of be the same, talking about the same kinds of stuff during the same parts of time uh, with the same tone. And we were like, you know, what can we do different? The initial idea around Spawn on Me was to be a radio show. It was supposed to fuse mm-hmm. hip hop and video game conversations because no one had ever done that before. Um, we like, don't listen, like, don't listen to the first couple of episodes on the show. Cause we had licensed music on it, but, um, <laughs> back before DMCAs were really, yeah. Like, it, like some of those things probably still have actual music in it, but, um, that was the premise. Cause I had started in college radio. I had done college radio for some years. Uh, I had an underground hip hop show back then, uh, back in Lehman, uh, Lehman college in the Bronx. And, um, it was like all those things kind of like wrapped up into, doing this particular kind of a show uh, and then wind up, you know, finding out what Spawn on Me was going to wind up being. And then that's when it kind of like started to move in a, in a real positive direction. Dude, Jason, you're Incredible. taking shots at me in our chat. What's I up? Love <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so what is, so with all of that, then where did the idea for Spawn on Me then really originate? Was it back then as it started, or was that something you evolved into for your next evolution? Yeah. Um, like, where I was mean, the, I, the spark where you got the idea? Um, I think, well, for the name of the show, or just in, in general? Yeah, for, like, for in the general. name, like Spawn on Me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a big Battlefield player. Like, I loved Battlefield. And Battlefield, oh, okay. that as soon as you, you know, move up front, everyone screams, spawn on me, spawn on me, spawn on me. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice. It, like, shows up. It's like, such and such spawned on you. <laughs> uh, so its origin is in is in Battlefield, because I'm a big oh, Battlefield cool. fan. Okay. Um, but the, the flip on that was, you know, you are spawning on our show. You're spawning on us mm-hmm. for good information from, for a prism of blackness, for a conversation that you haven't heard before. <laughs> Um, you know, you can, you can go wherever you want, but as soon as you spawn on us, you'll have a different version of the podcasting conversation that you never had before. Um, so that's the origin of it, but then not understanding what we had, uh, in terms of style or in terms of like, uh, our North star of like, you know, what our mission statement wind up becoming mm-hmm. that would, that took a little bit of work that, that wind up being something where we both kind of sat down and we're like, what's the thing that's going to make us different? You know, because there are there were a bunch of podcasts back then too that started up yeah. and were out in the world, yeah. and we we're like, "What's going to make us different?" Mm-hmm. And we were like, "How many shows are talking about stuff through a prism of blackness? Like, how many folks are infusing the culture into the conversation?" And it was one, one other show 
and that was not your mama's gamer. Shout out to them because they just fit their tenth year of podcasting. Ooh, shout out to um, shout out to shout out to She's she's brilliant. Um, and you know we were the only two shows doing that work. Um, and then it kind of started to, to bubble up into other spaces, into other shows, and, and doing that kind of stuff too. But it was it was it was an interesting time, kind of being the you know at the head of the spear doing those yeah. yeah that's that's huge i mean look at where you're at now too i mean yeah you got, still i'm still into my mama's basement no i'm just playing <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's oh, i mean i can uh, relate to that hey I, I, hey whatever you wind up having it's all good um it's 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 really interesting it's like you know a show that started from you know my respective kitchen table back in brooklyn when mm-hmm. i was in brooklyn and you know cicero from his living room you know the first show that we did he did his audio through the xbox connect like we recorded oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> like we recorded that show in the most raggedy ass way that you possibly could because we didn't have stuff yet like i didn't know what a good microphone sounded like i didn't know what a decent mic sounded like like you know i had a 50 dollars snowball microphone a snowball microphone which is a good mic if you know how to use it, right? Yeah. Right. Um, you know, if you're if you like to eat microphones, it's a great microphone. <laughs> um but it's but it's those kinds of things where mm-hmm. you know you you find that you're like, oh, this thing's working. Oh, that thing is working. Oh, that's interesting. That's a really cool concept to come up with a with a show. And one of the initial things that we did was we wrote a bucket list. We wrote our like, you know if we ever were able to get guests on this show, who would we want to get? Um, mine was Adam Sessler and his was Dave nice. Fennoy. Mm. He was like, I want to get Dave Fennoy. Yeah. He was like, I want to get Dave Fennoy on this show. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. like, I was like, I don't know who Dave Fennoy is. I feel like an idiot. He Adam was like, Sessler G4 baby. Yeah. He was like, he was like, he was like, you don't know who, you don't know who Dave Fennoy is. I was like, I'm sorry. I don't know who Dave Fennoy is. <laughs> and I told him, I was like, look, I was like, I'll, I'll make you a deal. You go eat, you find out who Dave Fenoy, you know, what his email is. You go track him down. And if you can get Dave Fenoy, that we will make that show the first show that we do with a guest. Mm. And I was like, just figure out and email him. And he was like, hell no, I'm not going to email Dave Fenoy. Like, Dave Fenoy is like the voice of God. I was like, <laughs> if you want him to come on the show, you got to tell him you want him to come mm-hmm. on the show. Yeah. He emailed him that night and we had an answer the next day. No, nice. That's awesome. wow. wildest, wildest wow. thing on the planet, and they said yes. That's and awesome. Said yes. That's cool. Cool. And it that, was wild because that, was, that was, was our philosophy too, man. Like it mm-hmm. just what hurts to, to ask. Yeah, yeah no they, say no, they say no. Yeah, the worst thing mm-hmm. they can say is no. Yeah, um, and that show was that show was awful. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it was great because Dave is phenomenal. Dave is one of the mm-hmm. best people on the planet, but my dumbass doesn't know how to record stuff well yet. <laughs> So, you know, you oh, go through no. your checks of like, how do we, you know, how do you know? Oh, this microphone is on. Okay, that's mm-hmm. good. I think I recorded that show through my laptop microphone by accident when I was talking. Oh, and it was ass. Oh, it was so, so bad. But, but yeah, hold this- on. Yeah, hold on. The, the crazy <laughs> part about that was Dave, and this is the reason why Dave is cool. And I'm, we haven't had Dave back on the show. I need to get Dave back on the show. Um, I was like, all right, so we're going to do this thing. We like called him up on Skype. And this man has a booth in his house. Yes. He literally has his voice, his VO booth oh, in his crib oh, with those awesome. like crazy, ridiculous, like, I think it's like a 20, like a $10,000 microphone. It's crazy. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. And he's, 
He's I've never heard a Skype to this day. I've never heard a Skype call sound as good as that as that call <laughs> because the stuff that he was using literally was the best stuff that you could have, and it's like makes this microphone sound like garbage in comparison to the stuff that he mm-hmm. had. With his voice and that, like, timber of his thing. Like, it was like hot chocolate coming through a goddamn microphone. (laughs) (laughs) I feel so warm. Oh, I feel so loved. Oh, my God. You just hug me with your voice. It's so good. And it was ass because I sounded like a trash bag with my bad microphone because I didn't put the microphone. I know the feeling because when we had some of the Final Fantasy guys on a couple weeks ago, Vic Chow, who played Sang, right? He's in his booth. Like, it's all decked out. He's just all, like... Like, dang, dude, Vic's showing up. I yep. mean, and even then, I know, like, the whole Mike story, because, like, we did an episode back when we all were hanging out in um, L.A. back oh, in shit. September. <laughs> and we My did bad. it, so we were all, like, around, and because we're used to seeing everybody on camera and whatnot, so we've got a couple iPads set up, my oh. laptop, and Jerry didn't mute his mic on his iPad. <laughs> So oh. I'm sitting there editing that night and I'm echo like, echo for days. Oh. It's echo for days. Like yep. surround sound echo. And I'm like, dude, we got to re-record this whole entire thing. <laughs> so I totally, that, it, it and it's those, it's always those little things too. Yep. Like, oh, Joe, yep. forget to mic, like, remember to mute, mute your mics. Like, oh, okay. Just, yeah. It's always the little oh. things. But that's the beauty of it too, is like yeah. you learn. Mm-hmm. what to do in those circumstances you wind up getting you wind up either overcompensating or just saying fuck it yeah. a lot right <laughs> yeah Dude, yeah. i have multiple stories like that with like really big guests where we where i've mm-hmm. botched the thing because i was nervous or i was running around like mm-hmm. e3 stories are perfect for those because those are amazing like i had i had one with julian garrity yep when because with him being over you know over in yep. europe and stuff here we were getting hit with the hurricane. So oh. we were having connectivity issues. It like it internet dropped for a minute and I had to like scramble to get everything back online. And <laughs> thankfully he was really cool about it. You know, granted yeah. I didn't get to ask the questions I really wanted to because of course yep. he was time constrained with the division and whatnot. But yeah, it, it always oh. dreads me. Like if I get, you know, we get those big names on here and all of a sudden tech just Dies. Like, oh, I've I've had whole I've had whole conversations that I had to re-record with a with a big name guest. Oh no! You, like I, th- I think I, I oh. might have had one with Garrity too. Actually, uh, I know I had Dude, our. our he's awesome. uh, oh, I love him. He's 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 super yeah. dope. Like people don't give him as much love as he deserves too. He's getting the love now. He's getting the love now. Star Wars. Oh yeah, <laughs> going to be wild. Whatever they're going to do with that stuff. I can't. Um, oh my! God. I think Sharif Reef, uh, who was on on the show with us uh-huh. during that point. Um, accidentally like broke my tripod right before I was going to have a, a, a the first interview that we did with Aaron Greenberg. Like oh, no. it just broke. And I was just like, okay, I don't know what to do about <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> All right. We're going to work with Damn. this broken ass tripod and figure it out. And you know, you figure it out and you do that kind of stuff. I've had shows where like, I forget to hit record and just be like, Oh, I guess that's going to be the scratch audio from the camera now. Oh, I guess that's going to be the actual audio now. (laughs) You know, you like you, you wind up beating yourself up and and stuff like that, but then you wind up just saying, well, you know, this is what happened and what are you going to do? Right. Try to clean it up as much as you can and and hope that the audience will, will forgive you for it later. Yep. All right. So before we get into some of the like a little bit more serious stuff that I really want to talk to you about too, with everything is so, I gotta, I gotta know. How did the rib challenge start with Paris? 
because this is the best running joke on Twitter that there is. Uh, I appreciate that. And it's, it's, it had like very humble beginnings to be honest. <laughs> it was, um, he was so like, let me, let me go back a step because Paris is one of the, everyone, everyone understands that Paris is one of the best people in the industry, but like that whole gamertag radio crew, Danny, Pete, you know, Paris are like my brothers. I, like I love them like mm-hmm. family. Like those are people who you like, you're yeah. run through this wall for GTR folks. I'm running through the wall for GTR folks. Yep. Um, Paris and I have gotten even more close because we have just kind of like, we've kind of started this interesting trajectory up at the, around the same time. Um, in a in a kind of larger in a in a bigger way, mm. um, and we constantly give each other shit all the time. Plus, we like or we mentor each other. We, we lift each other up in the back end and try to figure out you know good ways to you know push each other to kind of do more and all that kind of stuff, which has been great. Um, but he put he was making some like seven up cake one day and he put it on the timeline, and I was like, yo, that cake looked dry as hell. <laughs> and, he was, and he was like he was like well you probably don't know how to cook nothing and i was like well uh, me, I was, and i probably was i was having ribs around that time i was like well let me let me show you these ribs and then that was the beginning of it oh, it was like oh, it was like oh yes. like them just like terrible da, 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 da. and then it, it kind of snowballed from there so it's like you know it started from a random cake thing a year and a half mm-hmm. a year some change ago on was it was it Christmas? It was right before Christmas, actually, too. So that made it even worse because I was playing the, the role of Scrooge shitting on his cake. <laughs> <laughs> and he and then we just kind of kept going and it just it became this thing that we have just continued to go uh and do more with and until you know the, the culmination with the the the, the F you in the rib that I, How did the idea come up for the cameo video? Oh um <laughs> I'm a spiteful bastard. <clears throat> That's what it is. <laughs> as, as I need to go drink some water. Um, drink some water. It's really that. It's like, I, again, I was talking about this before we started the show. I'm really competitive in, in, a, in a good way and sometimes not in a good way. Um, but I always believe that you, if you have the ability to go for the, go for the big joke, you might as well just go for the big joke. Um, and it, I was like sleeping... And then I remember he said something about like me not knowing how to cook or mm-hmm. me not know like me not understanding like the fundamentals of doing any of that stuff. And I was like, I was like, I have to do something bigger than just the usual like come back on yeah. Twitter because that's because at that point it's kind of running itself into the ground. And on weirdly like people kind of jump into that thing and and are kind of mean about it sometimes like. Mm-hmm. Well, we're always joking. Like, there's never actual any beef. But people will come in there and be like, "Yo, you're both sucky. Your food's terrible." I'm like, "Yo, like, out of nowhere, we're like playing." You came in here with some yeah. real negative energy that nobody really asked for. Like, why is that a thing? You know, who hurt you uh, in terms of seasoning? Like, uh, you know, what's your what's your issue there? In terms of seasoning, <laughs> what? Like, 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 did somebody fuck you up with some time? Like, what, what happened? Right? <laughs> it um, is that bad. He's not joking. It is that bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's like awesome. so weird. Yeah, like so weird. Um, and I was like, I have to figure out a way to make this a thing that is actually going to kind of like sting a little Sick. bit. But yeah, it's going to sting a little bit. But it's going to be one of those like mic drop moments. And um, I had I had been on Cameo looking for someone to do a birthday message for someone. And I was like, all right, well, who are going to be the people who have enough name recognition that both the olds like like me would know 
and, and you know, me and Paris would would know, but yeah, also yeah. have enough like you don't want to get people who are like D list stars. You're like, oh, you got mm. you got the the situation. Like no one wants to see the situation. Right? Like you got to get people who at least have enough cachet that you could be like, okay, this person mm-hmm. actually is like a person that people will pay attention to. Um, the thing I wasn't able to get that I think this is the first time I'm probably talking about it. The person I wasn't able to get was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I wanted to get Kareem because he's a big Lakers fan. And since he's a big Lakers fan, I wanted to get some Lakers, some like former Lakers on there, but they cost too much money. They're expensive. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is like $1,000 for a a message. And I was like, just for a single message? For a single message, it's like $1,000. And I was like, I love Paris and I love this joke. Not that much though. (laughs) I mean, it was it wound up being an expensive joke anyway. I probably wound up spending a little bit over a grand and some change to do it because it was like worth it. But it was yeah. like I'll, I'll get I'll get like maybe two of these coats at like one fifty, like two hundred maybe. <laughs> and I'm not spending like a grand for just Kareem to just tell me something real cool. And I'm like, no, because I because I can't I can't see Kareem being mean. You know, no, what I mean? Yeah. like I need people who can be a little bit mean. Um, who will go with the joke? Who will go along with it? Yeah. Yeah. Like the the funny thing was the person who I was kind of most disappointed in, who I really wanted to like sting it to Paris, was Kurt Angle, and he didn't. Oh, he kinda, really? His was kind of weak. Like it was. Lavar Balls was fantastic because yeah. you can tell. And when I saw Lavar was on there, I was like, oh, I got to get Lavar because Lavar is just good. <laughs> he's just, like he's he's like a WWE wrestler anyway. Um, Monto Jordan. Uh, was specifically good because I basically told him, I was like, I want you to do a version of this is how we do it, but about his ribs. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and, he, and he he killed it. Um, Cedric the Entertainers was kind of weak, to be fair. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that, like, because once you get a comedian really? in the like, oh, you're going to just murder this Yeah, yeah. yeah you would think. And, and his was super weak. And I was like, oh, Cedric, damn it. Like, you were supposed to, like, give, give. but Redman was the, was the winner. Redman, Redman said stuff that Redman said stuff that was just mean. <laughs> no, no, here's the thing that's booked out about the Redman part. So the Redman part was was fantastic because Redman just went off on Paris. Like he had mm-hmm. real beef for them. I was like, yo, Redman. <laughs> but it was to the point that I sent Paris a version of what Redman said beforehand. because uh, like he didn't see any of the other stuff. I didn't show him the, the final cut or any of that stuff. He had no idea I was going to do the little dance walking down the street, any of that stuff, none of the music stuff, any yeah. of that. But I was like, I don't want Paris to actually be really mad at me because Redman went in on him like he had <laughs> real beef. And I was like, I didn't tell him to say that. Don't like that wasn't me. <laughs> I just told him to say that. Yeah, I told him to yeah. say this part. He went, he expanded yeah, and expanded. He, like, he, went, he went rogue after that. He, went, <laughs> he got excited and just said all the stuff, stuff that I didn't tell him to say. So like, don't be mad at me. Like we have real beef after he says this thing to you. So I just pr- prepared him to be mm-hmm. like, you know, Redman, like there's a part in this that's a little bit mean. I want you to know it wasn't for me. It was from the person who said it, and I didn't tell him to say that. Um, but it was perfect. It was, like, so good. I have to give a shout-out to my to my boy Ian for for doing the actual edit on it. My wife was the person filming me doing a little dance down the street. And I, I like I was like, hey, I have this thing I'm going to do with Paris. Oh, uh, and the music you, you used for it, too. <laughs> huh? And then using the music that you did. Oh yeah, like that. that, Yeah, that's the stuff that's. I'm like, I'm an idiot. I just have weird stuff in my head. Fun. The 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 best part about that whole thing was, um, I had those at the end of the video, 
there's me saying a little bit of a, a quick thing to Paris, and then there's like rib bones in the shape of the word yep. F U. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'll and, find the video and send it to you guys. Yeah, yes, please. I need to see this. Right? I'll see this now. Like, so like, I talk to him and then I'm like, ha ha. It's like, and there's rib bones in the shape of F-U. <laughs> and um, my wife was like, why is rib bones in the in the fridge for like two days? Like, you're just holding rib bones? I was like, <laughs> I'm like the reason these rib bones are in the fridge, don't throw them away. Because I'm not going to go buy more ribs to go do this damn rib <laughs> Um. And she was like, you're an idiot. I was like, this is going to be funny as hell. And then I sent it, it to her. It was hilarious. Like, Yo. She died laughing. She was like, you're an idiot and how much did this cost? And now I understand why you had those rib bones in the fridge. So. <laughs> I was like scrolling through my Twitter feed when he posted it. And I'm like, the hell? Yep. And it's like, Redman? Uh, Montel- oh, no. I was, like, I was like, what the heck? <laughs> That was the best part because everyone was like, "Oh, you got such! Oh, you got such! Oh my God, you got who? Yep. <laughs> All to just we, bash on ribs, man! Oh, the, yep. yeah, yeah, and it's so dumb, but it's so fantastic. Somebody, so the good. first tweet that I got was, "How much in the hell did this cost?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "This is the most expensive joke I've seen in a long time." I was like, "Man, you know, what happens? Hey, like, sometimes it got to go that far, you know. Like sometimes, and, like, and, some, yeah. and honestly, like some of the best pranks and jokes." You gotta spend a little money. Oh, yeah. You gotta spend a little the investment. Money. It yeah. was worth it in, and to this day. People. Plus, plus, you gotta think like, how's he gonna top this one now? Like, you oh, know, he already, he hasn't. He already has co-conspired. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, here's the thing. It's I a team effort scared. now. <laughs> I'm scared because the thing is like, one of the the best things I'm like extremely happy for him is because he's grown. He's like superstar up up the ladder. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. almost like forty thousand followers, and that happened like wow. in a. Like in mm-hmm. less than eight months, twelve months, right? Yeah. Wow. Um, and now, like, when you get to layers like that, you have cachet where you can like ask people to do stuff for you, and because you're like you got a blue check on Twitter, and you have like a good amount of people, and because he has Danny in his corner, who is like knows everyone. Like Danny interviewed freaking mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Wow. I would not be surprised Damn. if Keanu Reeves is going to slay me at some point about my ribs. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. I just have to take that L to my forehead and be like, the nicest man on the planet just murdered me about my ribs. <laughs> <laughs> I and I think what's, wor- I what's even better about it is Paris is just sitting back. He's like not even like hinting that he's got something truly planned for retaliation. He's just, oh, geez. you know, the rib, the rib joke's still going on. You know, it's, Still poking and prodding every now and then, and I'm just he waiting me for up. Paris to drop it. Oh, when he drops, it, I'm just gonna cry. I'm just gonna sit in a room and just be like, I hate, you, I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> he sent me a text message once it dropped because I kept teasing him too. The days before, I was like, uh huh, November 28th. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, it was like it was, it was like November 28th. It was like a countdown. Just oh yeah. Oh no. They, website yeah. with just a timer. It was. It absolutely was. I he literally because he was. So he would give me stuff. He would like hit me with a joke. He would like, "Oh, your ribs sucking. Your your food is terrible." Da, da, da. And I wouldn't say anything. It was like old school Sting WWCW version mm-hmm. when he was doing yep. the NWO. When he would just sit in the back of the the back of the rafters and just wait and just be quiet. <laughs> yep. And I would just not say a word. I was like, "November twenty eighth is coming." <laughs> it was great. That's the anniversary. Was he was great. like November. I was like November twenty eighth, and he was like, he sent me a text. He was like, "Yo." Like, I don't know what's happening on November 28th. But like, <laughs> I'm starting to get scared my damn self. <laughs> I, mean, I, have no, I have no clue what's happening. And then when I dropped it, 
he sent me a text and he was like, yo, Kai, I don't know how the hell you did this, but you got me. <laughs> hey, I can't oh, how satisfying was that, dude? Yeah. Oh, yo. my God. It was the best thing on the planet. <laughs> he, posted, he posted a reply video and he was about in tears. It was, it was, so good. Like, it was that good. So It was so good. The, the, um, the bad part about it is I can't really tell him that I really do actually use a grill to, to make most of my ribs now. I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Paris, Paris isn't watching. He's not watching. He's not listening. So we'll we'll keep that our secret. <laughs> we'll keep it our secret. I'll tell anybody okay. chat. Yeah. Um so with what we were talking about earlier with, with Black Lives Matter and stuff, yep. um, some of the stuff I really want to talk to you about. Um, and honestly, I, you know, tried hitting you up back when all of it was actually really, yep. really prevalent at the time. You were so, so busy that yeah. There was no way it was going to happen. And then we're like, hey, let's see what happens, what happens. And, you yep. know, finally we're here. Um, so when you look at the events of the last year, mm-hmm. and now we're looking at it in full perspective, both with the actions of and statements of the former idiot in chief. Um, <laughs> um, the the former know, ass and, that just conveniently sat okay, in the, um, the Oval Office. <laughs> the oval, right. um, the seat warmer? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, um, Palpatine, maybe. Um, probably, yeah. <laughs> probably. Um, so when you look at everything, right, and what's impacted you the most between, you know, seeing everybody starting to stand up, right? Not only, not only you know, people of color, but also, you know, white people that are joining the cause. Yep. And, but also taking that back seat to say, hey, we're here, but you guys take the lead. Yep. And then also now we have Kamala actually as the VP, mm-hmm. you know, first first woman of color to be elected to that highest ranking position so far, you know. Um, but what's been like, how has that the year impacted you um, as a whole? It's really interesting because I think if, even if you go back some years prior to Trump being in office, like we have been through some of the best visibility times in terms of blackness in some ways with the Obama administration and then kind of moving into the Trump administration where everything kind of fell to shit. And now where, you know, Kamala and Joe are, are, are doing their thing now over that time, we've still been doing the show, right? Like the show has still been a thing that's been in the world. And I remember now kind of thinking back to, Excuse me. Um, thinking back to those early years when the Obama administration was kind of in the space, there was so much goodwill across not only the way that we were looked at in the in the world. Of course, you know, all presidents do do ratchet shit, but it's like the 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 energy that was in the world around a show that that we were kind of doing, we could expand on certain things without this this super heavy weight. Like there's always weight as a, as a black creator, as a content creator of color, there's always weight, right? You're always trying to figure out good ways to balance um, visibility with um, uh, negativity that happens from the outside kind of coming in. You always are trying to balance those two. You're always trying to figure out, you know, how much do I put myself out there and, and lose some peace of mind to get bigger and to say the thing that, that, that needs to be said. And that's always hard because there are very few shows that go as hard as we do when we are, when we're trying to do that. But we also try to, you know, as a fundamental part of the ethos of what we do as a show and me as a human being is 
uh, like we want to bring nuance back to the internet in some form or fashion because nuance is lost in many times of the conversation. Even when you're having conversations about really rough stuff and about, you know, internal fights within the community or external stuff that affects us in those ways. Nuance is always a thing that should be in the conversation, right? I'm a, 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 a Virgo in that way where it's just like, I want people to understand like, Hey, here's a thing that I kind of understand to be the way it is. I want to hear your side and let's figure out that conversation together and figure out a good, a good meeting ground. Like I will, absolutely come to your side if you give me a good argument right um that has changed a little bit within the time frame of uh you know that chunk of four years where the the energy around the internet and the energy in the workplace that we have as the internet feels worse like we were one of the first shows to talk about gamergate in a real way we were like talked about that in a way that was like we know this is stupid and terrible and, and awful when a whole bunch of other shows that are bigger than us were still trying to find the language to say this is terrible, right? right. We put ourselves out there early to say, mm-hmm. like, this is whack. We, we can see this is stupid. We can see this is bullshit and that this is what this is. And we came out and said that thing years before everybody, well, months before everybody else did. Um, so, like, we've been truth tellers in this space for a while. Like, I think that that's been the beauty of us being consistent. Mm-hmm. In, in our messaging and the way that we talk about stuff and the way that we look at the world, even when people who are even on our side don't like that version of it because they want to be mad about everything. Um, so that, is, that has been an interesting part of the conversation. The, the bigger part of it has been because we're starting to grow, um, especially even more in the past two years, that now we have more, more visibility in spaces where we didn't have that before. Um, you know, I've gotten into rooms that I never thought I'd be able to get into to have conversations with people I would have never thought that that would have been possible. Um, you know, uh, I now have access to more people than I did prior than, than, than I did before because of the show that we did there. Plus, you know, there's been momentum kind of gathering in that space. Mm-hmm. I think for mm-hmm. a lot of folks in the space who are, again, coming from marginalized, underrepresented groups the want for everyone to see us in real ways is always going to be there. Like one of the things that always kind of, you know, like was hard to kind of fathom was if I look at the breadth and depth of the shows that we've done over the past eight years and the, the content that we've talked about and the conversations that we brought to the table and all that kind of stuff, I always think that we should be bigger than a lot of shows that we, that are currently out there. Like we we serve a we serve a community in a way that is not just about video games in the way that you think about it. The conversations that we hit and see other folks who are like ridiculous amounts of numbers and crazy deals and all sorts of kind of stuff. Like, there's a reason why we're not in those spaces, and it's not. I'm not gonna like pull out some card and be like it's because we're black and because we talk about black stuff. It's not that. But it's the fact that we don't bullshit about the conversation that that needs to be talked about. And that is not brand safe for a lot of people. Um, That's not a thing that resonates with a lot of gaming uh, gaming audiences because there's still a very large contingency of people who are just like, I don't want you to talk about real stuff when I'm talking about video games, which is still a huge part of the conversation. So so as you were as you were saying, like in in the past and and coming up to now all of the struggles that you were kind of dealing with were you also kind of struggling with how each episode or how you were each episode was coming out the interpretation 
Is that something you were also struggling? Like, how is this going to look? Um, sometimes not, oh, yeah. not, not that much. Like the beauty, the blessing and the curse of when we used to have music in our show was that music was the underpinning for the conversation. And it wasn't the thing that we used a lot of. It wasn't the thing that was like throughout. That kind of, that opened the, the door a little bit. Kind of, it was one of those things where we would have like a really, you know, uh, strife ridden conversation about, you know, um, you know, why black characters aren't getting seen in, in different places. So we are talking about a social justice issue. And then we'd play a, a, a song that had that vibe in it to, to kind of come out of the break or come into the break and kind of lean into it, right? Uh, so there was a part of that conversation that kind of helped do that in, a, in one way, but you couldn't use it because you can't do that kind of work anymore. Yeah, right. But in terms of like, did we worry about like how people were going to take it? Not really. I mean, okay. it goes back to the same conversation of like the worst thing someone can say is no. Mm-hmm. The worst thing someone can say is like, right. I don't want to listen to that. And I'm like, totally fine. fine. Like, True, yeah. And, that, and that actually plays itself out more, um, not with our audiences or, you know, new people coming to the show, but with working with brands, right? It's like, mm-hmm. we know that we're like, you know, throwing up our fist and stuff. Like, you know, the logo on that side of the wall is a big black fist, basically. Mm-hmm. A big power fist, right? But it's like, Knowing that that is a part of the, the the foundation of the conversations that we're going to be having, I know that that automatically removes people from wanting to work with us. Mm-hmm. I know that automatically removes brands from wanting to say that we want to do stuff with them. Um, it's now interesting now to see that some of those brands before who were really worried about those messages are now getting in on it. Well, now see that the conversation mm-hmm. is more palatable palatable for the space because right. everyone is now talking about it. Now some of those folks are like, well, hey, let's let's have that conversation. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, if you weren't able to rock with us when we didn't have a following, now right. you want to come through. <laughs> yeah. When that, yeah. when that, and not even because we're doing cool stuff in a way that's that's different, but it's They're more trying about, to save face. Yeah, it's that. Plus, it's just a matter of, like, there's a fundamental misunderstanding of the culture. Mm. And, and when I say, you know, it's a part of our tagline, it's a part of our intro, it's a part of a lot of the, the branding that we do. Um, when I say we are the culture, I mean that in a really fundamental way. Most of the culture that you see within American culture stems from black culture. Anything that was hot or anything that was cool or anything that was, you know, the, the, the young kids were into started from <laughs> black culture, like hip hop culture, music, dress, the way we talk, the way we I walk, mean, all that stuff comes know. from here. Yeah, you know what I mean? And it's like understanding that that is a thing and saying it out loud puts people on edge. Mm. It shouldn't because it's no, true. It shouldn't. Yeah. It's, yeah. We're, again, it's a, it's a, we're, in a, we're in a melting pot. We all understand that we're the beauty of this country and the ideas around it is that everyone comes together and adds their culture to it and brings that beauty that comes with those things to the space so that all of us can enjoy it and understand and learn from each other. But the conversation when it comes to you know, black culture is like, we want it when we want it and we don't want you. We want it. We don't want you. Which is an interesting turn of the, the coin, right? Um, right so it's right. like those parts of the, the conversation when it comes to like, was I, you know, were, were we worried about what the reception was going to be to a conversation that not, might, might not necessarily be as palatable for, you know, uh, you know, one particular brand or, you know, a section of the gaming community. Mm. You can't worry about that. Like, if you do, then you'll never make content. You'll just be right. about what everybody has to say, as opposed to being able to tell you the truth. 
And I think what's, what's interesting, you mentioned about, you know, people saying, you know, the whole stay in your lane, right. That when everything was going on over the summer, um, even up gearing up into the election, right. You had people that were always saying, well, we don't, we want to watch you to talk, you know, talking about games. We don't want you talking about politics, about life in general, just stay in your lane. It's like, for the most part, there was a lot of content creators out there that kept their mouth shut because they were too worried about ratings. And I have to give it to you, you know, you out of the ones I, the big ones I follow and stuff like that, you were leading the charge. Um, you know, Greg Miller and the kind of funny guys, they, they stepped up, led the charge mm-hmm. for us too. As I basically said, you know, we're going to support this. If you don't see that, then you know what, you don't need to be part of our community. Yeah. This, this matters, especially yeah. when we have friends that are black, this yeah. impacts their lives right now in, yeah. in real time. And, um, so it, it is interesting that, you know, over the summer you didn't have a lot, but then even more so a couple months ago, um, when more things were starting to, to spawn back up again, you know, it, it was more so everyone was like, you know, it was interesting to see how many content creators were, were really super quiet and who was taking the lead. It was, you know, you, Danny, yeah. Harris were kind of leading the charge and not a lot of people were, were coming with us because, you know, I was commenting right around with you guys. And so when you look at the games industry and stuff, mm-hmm. when it, when it comes to things like this is, you know, yes, there's been some change. It's yep. not, it's not drastic. It's not the change you really want to see, but it's, it's incremental. Still something. Still something. Um, what do you think that the games industry can do better when it comes to people of color? <clears throat> um, pay them. That's one. Um, Cause that's a huge part of the conversation. There is a, 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 there is a very specific part of the equation that goes along with visibility is great. Understanding and, and, and knowing that you have a voice in a platform and can share that to a good space is, is too, excuse me. Um, cause that's actually really important. Like I, I remember, and I still see the sentiment happen a lot when it comes to folks like, like Greg Miller, right? Greg and I have become really close. We've become, we've become friends. And over the past couple of years, we've like, you know, like I'll text him and be like, you know, how are you doing? You know, like, Hey, I saw this thing. Can I run this by you? Right. You know, this is the thing that I want you to see because I'm thinking about having this conversation on the show or one of those things. Um, and he as a person with a huge platform. It's been great to see him yeah. use his voice in a way that is 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 beneficial to everyone in the space. And of course, the the conversation winds up being, well, why did he say anything before? Why wasn't he using this platform before? Everyone gets like this road is not a linear road. This is not some like everyone gets woke at the same time conversation. Everyone gets woke their way. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone gets woke whenever they get woke. Some people you want everyone to get there faster because it benefits the people who are, who, who, who are, who are affected by it. But if you get there later than I got there because of whatever those reasons may be, you got there though, or you're still getting there. And the problem is a lot of people think that that is a destination when it's not. You're constantly. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. You're constantly learning. You're constantly trying to figure out new ways because the, the content, the, the culture is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I have holes in my own game about stuff because I'm just like not learned enough about those things, but I'm willing to try to take the time to do that work. So the industry yeah. 
alongside the community, which I think is the most important part, needs to do that work to say, well, you know, we can't shame everyone into uh, into oblivion because they haven't gotten there yet. Right. We can try to guide mm-hmm. them. We can try to lean, you know, lean them in the right direction. We can try to put good stuff in their in their vision so that they can help do that work when we need them to. But this expectation that everybody should out of the gate just know everything is totally wrong and sets everybody up for disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have that part of it. Um, and then you have the other the other angle of it, which is the the conversation that happens often in the boardroom, which is, well, why do we care about diversity and inclusion? Why do we care about having these conversations in a way? Because from what I can see, those segments don't do what they they don't they don't uh, uh, they don't add that much to the equation when it comes to the bottom line, the PL of what that means in a, in a bigger way. One of the things that I've been doing over the past couple of years has been trying to flip that conversation on its ear to say, I'm tired of having the like hearts and feels conversation about diversity being nice for you. Like in the way of like, it's nice to see people of color in these places. It's nice to have more people in that space who look like you. That was the initial parts of our show, which are like, we just want to see people look like us in, in more places. That is still a part of the case. But now it's flipped into a way that's talking about what is the actual like value of all these marginalized folks to the actual industry. We know that so many of us who are from these groups play a shit ton of games every year. We spend a shit ton of money every year. We are a huge part of the equation when it comes to the gaming industry, black, brown, yellow, all of us all are part of this industry in a way where we are spending our hard earned money to enjoy this pastime that we love. That's right. If you mm-hmm. ask people about that from a community perspective, most people will tell you that we don't make up enough of it to give it to, for, uh, for, for companies to give a shit. Mm. So one of the things that I did over the past year was, and you kind of saw it with the work that I'm doing with, with Intel currently, yep. um, is I went into my job on week two and said, hey, I look at our marketing and we don't have enough black people in it. Why? And the room got real quiet. <laughs> everyone got real quiet and they were like well i don't know and i was like well what are we going to do to fix that how do we fix that in a real way in a tangible way in a way that actually makes sense and, and doesn't make us look like we're pandering in february right mm-hmm. um and i had to do some research to do that stuff so I, I went and dug around with some of the tools that we had to figure out like hey even in a small estimate if you just pluck out you know the 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 hypothesis was uh, and this happened around the time that the lesson in blackness show started uh went down was if you took the black dollar out of gaming how much money does the industry lose if everybody who was black everybody who's african-american said i'm not spending a dollar for this year what does that look like wow and this and the rough estimate from a very small sample set was around like 12 million dollars a year right that's not that's not small money no, it's not huge it's money, yeah, it's not. but that's also yeah. a very small estimate based on, you know, black people don't poll a lot. They don't, we don't, we don't necessarily take those, you know, when you're like, Hey, answer the survey. You're like, nah, I don't want to answer the survey. So like <laughs> some of that stuff winds yeah. up playing into that conversation, right? Where it's like the numbers I know are not just that 12 million, but even if you use that as the metric and you say, okay, so let's add Latinx folks, let's add Asian folks, let's add, you know, X, 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 right? That number then becomes a huge number, right? Oh, yeah. And if you say, we're going to not care about those folks and dip out and be like, we're not going to spend any money towards them, 
or put them in positions where they can use their abilities, use their sensibilities, use their, uh, you know, the, the, the cultural aspects that they bring to the table, to the gaming industry in a bigger way. Look how much you lose by not doing the easy, low-hanging fruit kind of stuff. Um, so I have been trying to pitch that industry-wide to figure out those conversations to say, what are we actually doing to service those people who are spending money here? Who are, you know, who are we talking to when we think about gamers? Age, ethnicity, sexuality, how are we talking about these folks in a bigger and broader way? Because we know that we, those are our sisters and brothers, you know, in, in non-binary mm-hmm. yeah. who are spending their money every day to buy the things that they love. So in terms of what the industry can do, we need to do a better job of tracking what that is in a real way. Two, we need to start putting those people in places where they can have decisions that they are able to enforce and actually be able to, manip- you know, to, to move the needle in those particular To places. make an impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to make an impact. And to be honest, the biggest place we need to do that is on Twitch. Twitch mm-hmm. is a huge platform. 26 million people a day go to mm-hmm. Twitch. Right. You know, we had we did the PogChamp thing a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, hey, you know, how many, <laughs> was great. How many which was cool, it was super fun. Yeah. But I but like I, I sat down and was like, oh shit, 26 million people potentially saw my face for a day. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Mm-hmm. And people didn't know who the hell I was when they did it, because whatever. <laughs> but it was like it's a thing that when you reflect on that, you're like, oh, just being there is important. And having the platforms there to showcase that is important and having people who are able to do that work on your behalf who understand that that is important is important um the conversations i've had with folks behind the scenes on twitch has been phenomenal and a lot of those folks of course within our own community there's a lot of like you know anger and 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 a lot of apathy Mm -hmm. towards towards that because a lot of times they don't get it right but when they do we got to give them some props got to give them some props because otherwise no one's going to want to do that work so or want to try and or try and attempt to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Like like yeah. this again, the, the conversations around like who do we see, you know, most promoted still is a problematic thing. I remember specifically, and this is way back when Twitch really started to get its legs underneath it. They used to email people spotlights on streamers. They were like, feature streamer this week is such and such and such and such and such and such. There were no brown people in any of those in any of those emails. I remember them. There were no there were no minorities in any of that stuff. Very few, maybe lyric at the time, right? And that was wow. it. Wow. And I remember those emails because I was like, oh, "We ain't in them. What happened to us? We, I know we have streamers on here. We're not here, <laughs> right?" But you you fast forward six years or so, you know, and now like you know, my face is the face of whatever that you know pod champ emote and you know we're doing campaigns with them you know that are broad mm-hmm. and getting put out in the world because they they're they're paying attention now yes it's happening during black history month but it's not like i haven't had opportunities from twitch over the past two two plus years we've been streaming with them for probably like three or four but like in that time and because we started to grow like i did an nfl activation with them we were streaming with the nfl this year like we did a bunch of stuff with them this year that is wild to think about from you know again my now basement that happened you know eight years ago from my my brooklyn my brooklyn kitchen table so you know there's a lot of things that need to kind of move in a lot of different directions but i think you know if we take the 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 long view 
things are better than they were four years ago. Mm-hmm. They still have a lot of ways to go, but we have to celebrate the wins that we have too. Mm-hmm. Very well said. And, and speaking of wins too, um, you look with Chadwick Boseman, which yeah. we all know mm-hmm. how great of a person he was, even if you didn't know, actually know him. Right. Yep. Um, I mean, Breaks he kept heart, his man. cancer private, even from his best friends. They yeah. never knew. Yeah. Um, it came out um, today that the Screen Actors Guild uh, has nominated him for two awards, two Golden That's awesome. Globes. That's amazing. Best, best lead for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and mm-hmm. supporting role in Good. The Five Bloods. Yep. I think that's amazing that they're doing that. Um, and I always got to give it to SAG specifically because they do recognize, you know, when work regardless needs to be mm-hmm. recognized. And, you know, because it's more, it's their Golden Globes and nominations for SAG and all that come from the, the guild themselves. Yeah. The it comes from the people. peers. Yeah. It's not, it's not the foreign press and all that where you get, you know, the Academy Awards and all of that. This is his peers. And I, I love the fact that they stood up and said, Hey, yeah. these roles are fantastic. We he need to be recognized. And yeah, he needs to be on. Um, and on the flip side of that equation, um, SAG also came out with a disciplinary letter to the former president because he is a member of SAG-AFTRA because of the roles he's been in. Um, and you to slap him on the wrist and be like, stop doing that. So he sent them a letter that basically oh, was, you can't break up with me because I'm breaking up with you. Oh, and it's his normal rhetoric, but I just think it's funny that they're, you know, everybody's coming for him, you know, everybody deep, deep platformed him didn't give him a place to speak. And now SAG is like, dude, you've brought so much shame on the guild. We have to discipline you. <laughs> it's so funny because all this stuff is so late. Like everybody's been like, you're terrible. We dude, hate you now. We've been saying this like, for four years. Right? How late are you? What? It just, it seems like all, all the static that's, that's, that's been bringing up all of his, all of his crap has been pushed to the backbone during his time in office. And now everyone's jumping on the bandwagon. It's, it's so infuriating. And I'm going to put it up for you guys. This is, this is no, this is hilarious. Oh my goodness. And it's a Sharpie. (laughs) He signed it with a Sharpie. (laughs) But for those that are, it's like, he's like, I'm writing today regarding the so-called disciplinary committee hearing aimed at revoking my union membership. So he's like, who cares? Um, He's like, well, I'm not familiar with your work. I'm very proud of my work in movies such as Home Alone 2, which oh my God. I'm sorry. That was a go down the hall. He was yeah. a one, one-liner. A one-liner. It was a one-liner. You know, and he's like, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Siren Night Live. Um, and he's saying the most successful television show in history, oh, The Jesus, Apprentice, the which oh, God. <laughs> we all know there's, there's better shows out there. Um, Seinfeld, Friends, you know, those shows were way more successful. In my opinion, Fresh Prince of Bel Air was way more. The only more thing he contributed um, to the, to the film industry was a one catchphrase. Yeah, one yeah, that was part. it. So he's like, he goes on. He's like, which brings your blatant attempt at for free media attention to distraction with dismal record of the union. I mean, like he he does his usual, but I, I think I got to give it to SAG oh. for going. Hey, you know what? You've you've disrespected our industry 
mm-hmm. that you are a card carrying member of and you need to go away. Also, which um, is weird is that on his letterhead, he's still kind of using the presidential seal. Yeah, I noticed that too. More. Like, what? But so, in, as, as an ex-president, I think they're still allowed to do that, aren't they? I don't know. In regards so, to like getting it's, the, it's a gray, it's a gray area. It's a yeah. very, very gray area because he now set up the office of the ex-president or whatever it is. That Wait, what? Yeah, dude, he set up the state called, you know how like Biden had the office of the president-elect? Yes. So he set up something similar, but it was like the office of former president or whatever it is. It's not like the president, but it's like because he wants to do it with this new pack he's trying to do. He's and insane. it's like he's trying to you know, hijack the, the Republican Party and stuff. But Interestingly think, enough, 64% of the GOP folks said that they would be down if they would do it, if he does it. Right. I was That's like, scary. okay. Right. Okay. I have to give it to the Republicans tonight who stood up against Marjorie Taylor Greene. And voted oh, did they finally do it? They voted. Uh, there was 11 of them that stood up and said, hey, she needs to be kicked off the education committee and whatever the other one was. So um, right. there's enough people trying to stand up, but... It's all about power for them, and I get that. I will, I will say this though: my favorite, right. my favorite conversation I've heard about terrible people who were in office and still not in office was Ben Carson, oh, basically God. saying he was like, "I'm resigning from my post as blah blah blah." And they were like, "Fam, you got kicked out two weeks ago. You don't understand. <laughs> you your job, your job has been removed from you <laughs> right. two weeks ago, and now you're resigning because you still think you have the job. Mm-hmm. My God, yeah." <laughs> So, um, you know, with Marvel, that we're talking about with um, Chadwick and stuff like that, with WandaVision, um, how have you not caught up with that? I, was, I haven't even started it. Like, how is it? So the show is, is fantastic. Yeah, I've not seen it anyway. It's good. I will, I've, I've, I've seen I mean, commercials. I've seen the I, ads. I think, I think the first, like, couple episodes were a little s- slow just because mm-hmm. you didn't really know what was going on at all. But this last episode yeah. just seals it, and it's so good. Mm-hmm. It is. So, and I would give you guys one one Easter egg that I, I think mm-hmm. I, I think I found. Um, if you go to the Disney Plus and the the main banner uh, okay. that's on the screen, so it shows Vision and Wanda in front of televisions. Yeah. Yep. So on the on the televisions uh, with Vision show Vision's actual suit. Face. If you yeah. look at Wanda, you'll see it's a new suit and it's looking closer mm-hmm. to what she wore in X Men. Or the or an X Men version. So, uh, in the oh, they, de- they they showed mm-hmm. um, previews of that for a Halloween episode that they're supposed to yeah. do. No, no, uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about this. No, this is, is House, of, House suit. of M. It's yeah. the House of M suit. It, it isn't a costume. It's like it's it looks like Vision's suit. It is a full fledged no, yeah. hero suit. Yeah, um, and she's but got I'm, the but whole. But it's not a costume. But they showed it, that in a commercial too for yeah. it as a preview. I know. Yeah, I know. But the costume. If you look at the television, it looks like an M- the MCU costume. Mm. The real version that she will uh, wear as yep. uh, Wanda. Because she her old one mm-hmm. e- at Endgame was her red jacket and that whole suit. It's, yeah. it's, it lo- if you look at it, it's completely different. So I think we're yeah. going to see a, like possibly a House of M deal. And what's funny is she did an interview back before back when they were doing um infinity war and stuff like that and they yeah, asked her what her favorite it. comic was and she said it was house of m yeah <laughs> and she said she would love to see them do her have two imaginary kids and her snap well kevin feist has said this is this 
series, especially where she's leaked out that we're supposed to have a Luke Skywalker level cameo. A lot of people are thinking this is how you get the X-Men into the MCU. Yeah, I think this is where they're going with it. So where is where is this, before I jump in, where is this in this MCU forever it, timeline? It's after Endgame. It takes place, uh, no, it's before Endgame. No, is it's it? after. No, it's, it's not, after. it's after. It's after because they show the, no. The third episode, it's definitely Vision after comes Endgame. in looking dead. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Looking dead. Okay, cool. Thanks for the spoiler. Yeah, you already a know bit of a dead, bro. No, that's spoilers, sir. It's, it's part of the trailers. That was part um, of the spoiler. <laughs> well, they, they deal with the snap in it, though, too. So... They talk about it, yeah. yeah. It, still yeah. Takes, it still takes a few episodes mm-hmm. to start to, for that conversation really? to get into but, the show, but... Interesting. I, I hope they bring... I hope they use it as the vehicle to get X-Men in. Well, they're saving on phase four, and now they're... they're uh, casting Fantastic Four oh, right God. now. Really? <laughs> Come on, man! I like wait. I cannot wait for how many tries are they going to? Yeah, this? this cannot for the bad looking. I'm excited. No, I'm excited. I keep. You know what? John Krasinski's name keeps getting thrown in. It's true. Oh, him, as, him as, and as his wife, Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Wait, Mr. Come Fantastic. on, man! Like. Mm. Yeah, there's been some good it's mock-ups uh, with him in the suit and everything. And yeah. it, it, it looks mm-hmm. like he fits. Yeah, I think he would. Be, I think he'd be okay. He, he has the personality to fit it too. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Thank you, Newman. Like, how many with Spider-Man? How many times can you redo something? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you at some split, point you gotta like stabilize. One, you gotta when you say, throw hey, in the multiverse, what? like you can I redo one, so many yeah. things. One good Fantastic Four movie. Just a good one. I, I mean, you, like, wait, you, you mean, I don't know if you'll be alive for that, Jerry. Me, Michael happens. B. Jordan wasn't, wasn't great in, in this. Oh, dude, I wanted that to be good. I wanted that to be good. Man, that was the first, one of the first movies I, I ever, like, wa- I walked out. I, and I, I rarely really do like, that. And I really like Miles Teller as an actor. And it was yeah. like all of them. Well, like decent. it's really bad to see had, them. I thought it had did so bad in that like movie, that. though. Oh god! Yeah. Do you, so do you blame the movie. actors or do you play? Do no, blame actually, no. That was the director. Oh, it was totally director I mean, and writers yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, like, I definitely give it to the actors in that movie that they did the best they could with what they were given. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The best of what they were um, given. And and I, oh, I was I was so hopeful for it. I can't. I, and can't, I, I can't back I'm, I'm Fantastic pure, Four anymore, yeah, man. I'm a pure moviegoer. It, when I pay for my ticket, I'm going to watch the movie. I rarely ever walk out. It has to be bad. That was the first. Out. That was the first time I was like, I don't really mind if Jessica Alba disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> right? I was like, dude, like, I was like, whoa, uh, Jessica Alba, please. Oh no, you just. Oh, all right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fine. Yeah. Go. <laughs> Right. Um, so we did have some bad news. Um, Cliff, I know you saw the news today too. Mm-hmm. Um, that Robert Altman, the founder and CEO of Bethesda, passed away. Um, he has meant he meant a lot to the industry, um, not only for what Bethesda was and moving forward, but um, so Zenimax, who actually owns Bethesda. Uh, well, they're the, the parent company now. Microsoft owns them, and all that shenanigans going on. We'll see what you know that makes for for Microsoft. But um, you know, they put out a really nice um, eulogy and a statement on it. Um, yeah. 
and it's sad to see this go, but it was, it's, it's been really touching to see so many people coming out and sharing stories, mm. um, you know, of, of remembrance for him, um, and what they met, you know, from Phil Spencer to Reggie, um, you know, the big heads, uh, giving acknowledgement to what he actually did with helping the industry along. So, um, thoughts and prayers go out to his family. Um, cause it's, it's not easy losing a, a parent, loved one, you know, um, especially in this day and age of COVID too, because who's to say, you know, they may not have even been able to say goodbye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. I, was to, and, I was about to say that. Too. And from a funeral perspective, you know, those people may not even be able to go to that funeral too. It might have to be over zoom, you know, because of the current COVID situation. So, um, you know, thoughts and prayers out to him and, um, you know, his family on that. So, um, now speaking <clears throat> of, game industries and in consolidation you know i would love to get i want to get your takes on some of these uh cleef so first and foremost stadia closed down both their first party studios yep i mean we saw we saw that coming we saw that coming i mean the interesting part about that is like um one the the ghost of phil harrison rides again (laughs) right uh two I really wanted to know what Jade Raymond was working on. Like Jade Raymond is is still one of the, you know, has great cachet in the space. She was running that first party stuff. Um, yep. So to not have Jade Raymond in that space doing that work is going to be interesting to see what that means. Um, I'm sure she got paid well, even though nothing, nothing really came out of it uh, in that, in that space. But uh, it was super cool to see that she was working on the thing again after, you know, not having had an, mm-hmm. another big game in her, in her pocket for a while. The the thing that is the the actual like part of the story that that makes the the most sense around all of it is in a in a space where Stadia really didn't have a lot of confidence from the community anyway. Like I feel like Stadia walked out from launch right into one foot into a casket, right? Mm-hmm. Like there was never any good moment. Like the yeah. best thing that happened on Stadia, and this is the, this is wild to say, the best thing that happened on Stadia was how well cyberpunk ran on stadia right <laughs> a it's bad the only running it's the, on only a one that, it's the only one that ran well it's the oh. only one that ran well oh, and that's why well other stuff ran well but it wasn't like a big game ran well right yeah and that's the best thing that happened mm-hmm. that's rough i mean it, I think we all saw something like this happening when it all started to begin with, right? When we found out, not only are you going to have like a base kind of subscription fee, right? But you're also going to have to pay for your games. We're like, we all know that's not a great model to begin with. And I think eventually for them to actually be what they really want to do, I think they need to go to like what Phil is trying to do with Xbox and Game Pass and xCloud and and make it more of a subscription model. Because then I think then, yes, there is a space for it, you know, a everybody knows what Google is, you know, a lot of TVs are going to have Google installed on them, you know, and access to stadia. So I think it's a, it's a perfect model for that. Um, now when we look at some consolidation going on, uh, vicarious visions who did the Tony Hawk remake, they're now getting folded up in the blizzard and they are going to focus only on blizzard games. And I think when you look at the announcements, um, today from the Activision blizzard call, is that um, Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 
they both said, or they said both those games are not going to be coming out in 2021. They're going to, it's probably gonna be 2022. So mm. both those are blizzard games. So I could mm-hmm. see Vicarious probably needing to step in and probably help out quite a bit with those. That's probably the reason why they got acquired was they, they just didn't have enough people power to do it. So they pulled in that other studio to do it. Mm-hmm. It will be really interesting to see that conversation happen, especially around Overwatch 2. Uh, I was like, oh, now so I may be able to play DPS in Overwatch 1. Yay! <laughs> uh, I might actually be able to do it now. But um, it's still, like, having having those two come out, like, people can wait. You know, it's it's been too long already, so it's not like the, the big... It's not like a wow kind of thing where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we have like millions and millions of people that are waiting for it. Like, I mean, the, the crowd dies down a little bit. So you have yeah. to build up that like little like, oh, dude, come back to this because this is what it was like before or yeah. come back yeah. to it because like it's going to be hype again. And plus with, especially with all these free-to-play shooters that are coming out or, you know, what what is Overwatch 2 going to bring, you know? You gotta think think for a little bit, and it'll give them time to think it out. You know, yeah. Yeah. I accept I accept I, that like little delay. We, you know, I think we've also also gone through so many video game uh, launch mishaps. Mm. <clears throat> oh God! Case in point, you know, I you know, Cyberpunk being one of the biggest flops, unfortunately, since in, in a launch. <laughs> yeah, since Fallout. Um, <laughs> I think I think more and more gamers are becoming more patient and you know what take your time because i want a good game mm-hmm. that's what they need to be mm-hmm. are they but i think i think we're slowly no but i think we're slowly like okay a lot of people are understanding no they need to take their time i mean when, and i are on twitter all day and yeah it's the opposite i mean there's still hate it's yeah. still you're well, maybe, maybe i'm hopeful then you saw you saw that west coast mentality man you saw i really do I mean, california i'm never gonna dream. lose that i'm never gonna lose that mentality bro you had that california <laughs> dream man because remember there's still a large part of the population that doesn't believe that this lockdown should happen you know and those are the people those are the people that say hey i want my game tomorrow like I mean, how, come, yeah. how come cyberpunk 2077 isn't fixed yesterday well, you know, that I mean, is those people, mm-hmm. and there's a big I, conversation there to have too about. Oh, that yeah. is a very big conversation. I, like I, I, wanna, I wanna shout them out. I want to call them I out think, right now. I think Khalif, that's like an entire episode just to talk about that one. Oh. I think that's a multi-part <laughs> episode. Please, I'm I'm a, if, if you do, I'm gonna right respond to that one with, with a liquor license. I'm the only one that's kept up with the game. I'm. Uh, I, now that the new patch is coming up, I'm going to beat it. I'm on the final that's, mission. Hold, that's oh, wait, they, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. That's if they fix the bug that broke the game in the first place. The new patch came out already. The, the, ne- the, ne- the follow-up yeah. patch, the, the 1.11 follow-up patch one already mm-hmm. just came out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I'm going to finish I it. I guess I'll update it now. And go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing, though. I haven't updated. I've just been waiting for the like last patch or at yeah. least the best patch to come out before I updated um i, uh, I, I understand so <laughs> the last i even of the have murder. it on pc too and right. like, it's still not that great yep yeah, yep not, so, even gonna, not even gonna get it on my radar anymore man <laughs> yep. not anymore like mm-mm. so let's talk about a game that we you know a company that we actually got to play at e3 when we actually last time we got to go to e3 which was 2019 yeah, two years and, you know, I want to say, COVID, I hate you. Yep. 
because not only did you take our first year of media passes away last year, uh, you know we're not getting we, breaks. We know we're not getting an E3 this year because we're not in a position to have any con, you know, any cons nope. or anything uh, this year. So who knows if it ever gets to come back? You know, I hope it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Gearbox. We got to play Borderlands and, and whatnot, but Gearbox is now merging with Embracer Group on a deal that base worth is $363 million, but if they hit tar- certain targets, it'll become $1.3 billion. Wow. Um, for those that are unfamiliar with um, Embracer, they are like the umbrella corporation that has THQ Nordic mm. underneath them. They have um, Coke Media and Saber Interactive. Um, 2K, though, is still going to publish the borderlands titles oh interesting interesting so i wonder what that constructed deal was to begin with um yeah and then um they also bought aspire media for 100 million um and they're the company that has been porting borderlands and the star wars games to the other platforms okay oh, okay well that's smart makes so it kind of makes sense to, to bring so them all in because that's a lot of money going out the door yep and then um the other piece of borderlands news was is kevin hart has now been signed to do to play Roland. Oh yes! <laughs> oh my God! What? So oh, um, I, I'm it's already hard. Into that. Oh, it's hard to so, like really. Here's the thing, though. Roland with Kevin right? Hart's voice, like um, <laughs> it's gonna be hilarious. <laughs> just shaking okay, his head. It's gonna be hilarious. I can't hear it. Okay, listen here, bro. Listen here, bro. Listen. Right. Let me tell you. Right. <laughs> well, and he's it, the only other person that's actually been announced as a cast is Kate Blanchett was is going to be Lilith. Oh, oh that's right. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like so, that casting. I like that casting. Um, so we'll see what happens with the movie. Um, <laughs> it really is going to be interesting. Um, yeah. So, uh, PlayStation numbers came out this week. PlayStation Five sold 4.5 million consoles through end of the year. Nice. Nice. It's not terrible, especially with from, from bots <laughs> that were resold. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, we don't know how many of those are actually bought. Bought, you know, actually that or whatever. Actually, that was um, announced. The uh, the the scammers that used all the bots, mm-hmm. they made forty three million, million from dollars. yeah. Wow. I think I think they even came out. What uh, Jerry? You can tell me if I'm wrong. I think they said it was twelve uh, percent of total sales were resold. Oh yeah, I think that's correct. Good yeah. Lord, um, good Lord. Now, that number four point five million is the same, roughly comparable amount to what the PS4 did in its first quarter of launch. Oh, so a- when we have a console shortage, yeah, bots being buying everything, yeah, and a pandemic, that's that's not bad at all. Um, now they did state that the consoles are being sold at a loss. Oh, yeah. Um, That's expected. Yeah. But when you look at things, their software sales jumped $20 million year over year. I wonder Um, how much that $10 increase worked towards their favor. I mean, it had to, right? To the the video games, correct? Yeah, to the first party titles and whatnot. And I think, honestly, Khalif, when we look at things in a broader picture, right – Games have been hovering sixty bucks for quite a long time. Oh yeah, the, it's like it's very long time. Yeah, it's like our minimum wage, right? Cost of goods has gone up. Your hours, <laughs> you know, your dollar per hour hasn't. You know, it's the same thing. Like cost of game production has gone skyrocketed up because everyone wants these big giant AAA games. 
Mm. So you got you have to pay you have to do something, and I'm perfectly okay paying the extra ten bucks. It's I'm yeah, I'm also video. curious to um, know, but how- I'm just not going to buy every game now. Like I, you know, I'm going to have to be a little bit more selective on what I buy. Um, oh. I'm just but, curious uh, to know though, like how much having the digital version help them out with the software too, because like just it's mm-hmm. like directly from the store That's, for the most part. Yep. Yeah, Digital there's no middlemen. Um, well, there's yeah. not as many middlemen, I should Correct. say. Yeah. Um and then um PlayStation Plus membership grew um 9 million year over mm. year. Um mm. and then the most telling thing is that granted they they did sell twice as many PlayStation 5s as Xbox sold um series x and series s or like we like to call them the refrigerator and the speaker box um <laughs> the only way we know what you're talking about dude exactly <laughs> but uh Love but what's telling box. though is but what's telling though is that microsoft actually outsold sony in the states and china yep eh, that sounds sounds pretty i mean good. that's a so, big deal for them that is a big that deal. is huge yeah. oh. yep big deal they've been still um, trying to figure out that market and now now it seems like they might be doing it and let's talk about the little engine that could. Oh, jeez. I thought we just talked about Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> we just had so, that conversation. Uh, right? So awesome. Nintendo, they don't, you know, they don't always tell their year-over-year things, but when you look at what they've actually sold, Switch year-to-date is eight, almost 80 million units. Wow. Wild. That's that's insane. 532 million pieces of software and when you compare that number you look at 3DSs which we know how successful that was was yeah. you know King of handheld right 76 there. Well, yeah. That was that um, was their main revenue. Mm-hmm. Wrong with the Wii U. Oh. <laughs> oh, God, the Wii U. Um, I mean even the Wii, right? 102 million units. We know how successful that's, that's, that was. That's only 101. Right? I thought that would have been more too. I thought that would have been I way more. Every like, and this everybody. is everybody. Remember, Jason, this is around the time when we were still working Dude, together. We we had everybody like, wanted the Wii. Hunt for those things oh, too. Yeah, people just wanted it for the sports yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The that's sport. all I ever did. Oh, oh I hated yep. the Wii sport. Everybody asked about. And then <laughs> when you look at that number, right? When we're looking at seventy, almost you know, eighty million units sold, right? Here's their year. Here's their. Uh, let me find, pull up the software here. The software. Yeah. Yep. Of course, Mario Kart. There's Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing sense. has been out, hasn't even been out a year, and 31 million units. That I equates st- to, when I saw the number, it's 38% of all switches out there. They that own Animal that game came out at the most perfect oh, time. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That is, that is why sure it, they, it has yeah. that number. It came yeah. out at the perfect time. When everyone was like, no other game could COVID, ever, no, and that helped, every, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I still and kind of resent it. Matt a little bit for getting me on Animal Crack. Like, <laughs> dude, all your fault, yep. man. All your so, fault. you know, it's looking at some of these numbers. Though, I mean, look how well though some of these games are. Mario, I mean, Super yeah. Mario Odyssey, twenty-five. I mean, that's almost twenty-five percent of the oh, number. Man, I need to go. And this, this is yeah. again. This is the thing with Nintendo. Like, none of these games will ever really go on sale. Like very no, rarely, no, really. nope. it's very rare. So, um, how, how I long has Breath of the Wild been out? Oh, Breath of the Wild, like since launch. It was a launch title. Okay, it was this a literal this launch last, title. Yeah, this last Black Friday, the, the, this last one that happened, mm-hmm. the first time it was uh, knocked down to like 
I think fifty forty nine. Twenty-five dollars yeah. or thirty dollars? So yeah, it's I gotta give it to Nintendo and Doug Bowser and company over there because they're they're doing it right. I mean, they're doing what Nintendo does and they're sticking to their first party titles like they always do. And should, at least they, they have some third they have some third party support. Um, you know, and I, I gotta hand it to um John Vinaki over there because he's he's helping build that portfolio and keep those third parties coming in because honestly, it could have been like the Wii or the Wii U where all these third parties were coming on board going, Oh, we're going to make games. And then everybody bail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Um, John, Johnny V is one of the nicest people on the planet too. He's, he's a, a beautiful, wonderful man. Johnny, Johnny V <laughs> is going to be on here. One of these episodes here soon. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Johnny, honestly, Johnny, Johnny V like you with your Twitter account. Right. And, and Johnny V and, and his wife, right. You guys have some of the best, twitter accounts out there because it's hardly ever negative it's all upbeat type stuff a lot of the time you know for the most part unless we got to talk about something serious um you know but him and his wife are hilarious they're great um they're awesome especially when they were um you know they brought home mario kart live and they were trying to race around with cats (laughs) (laughs) um it's pretty good so yeah it's um it's great to see what nintendo is doing um you know, we'll see what they do for the next iteration because, I mean... That's going to be the, the big thing. That's going to be the I big mean, one the, for them. I mean, the Switch is what? The Switch Pro, right? Switch the Pro, Pro or the, yeah. the second so Switch, yeah. They did come out and say they're not planning on coming out with a replacement, but it was the it was the Nintendo answer. So we all know, read between the lines, we all know yeah. a second one is coming at some point, and they need to. Um They've already gone to their game developers and said, you know, both third party and first party and said, <laughs> make your games 4K compatible. Mm-hmm. So we know that's coming mm-hmm. in some fashion. So it'll be interesting to see what Nintendo does. But frankly, the way I look at it is the game industry is only as good as as all three firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, because, I mean, granted, yes, we're predominantly PlayStation um, just because of the games we play you know mm. the series we play i mean granted i love halo and i love forza um but I uncharted gears. horizon all of that um gears of war but you know i love what nintendo does too uh two of my favorite franchises are metroid and and zelda yep. i mean my most my favorite game of all time started out on super nintendo and that's chrono trigger mm. you know so nintendo's been is as much a part of gaming dna as everything else is you cannot not beat, longer yeah you cannot beat right. nintendo oh, yeah. on the handheld so, either you know like exactly i mean so, and no other gaming company has ever made a uh, a loom to make sweaters <laughs> nintendo is the only one that has done that nintendo's done some weird stuff they and, really hey, have it's hey, yeah but like I love don't, them. That's, they're that's willing Nintendo, to try. Yo, yeah, don't diss my virtual try. boy. Don't diss my virtual boy. Yeah. Like, See, they, yeah, they, they, they take chances. They don't even they know that. Yeah. So speaking of like Nintendo and, and being the couch co-op, you know, party game stuff like that. So Khalif, as we close things out. Yeah. Um, we got one question we ask everybody. Yes. Okay. And it wouldn't be, you know, it's in our title, game night. Um, <laughs> so when you are actually able to have game night with fam- family and friends, you know, in a, in a non-COVID world, what is your favorite game to play for game night? 
What is the regardless, game you pull out? Yeah. Regardless if it's a board game or a video game, what is your favorite game to play? Drop Mix is my favorite game to play. Ooh. Oh. Because it is... It, the funny part about that game is, like, we don't play it as an actual game. <laughs> we just do it because we like to mix music together and do that. That's awesome. Because then you can have a party. It's like you have yeah. a party that everyone can kind of be the DJ, which is super cool. Um, that part is always super fun. So drop mix is my answer. I think, you know, we, I did a fuser stream a couple, uh, a couple days ago, uh, which is a kind of the online digital version of what that is. But like, uh-huh. yeah, that game is so good. That game is so fun. <laughs> people fronted on that game. I'm so mad that people fronted on that game, but it's, That's awesome. so, good. it's so good. Drop mix is, is, is the answer for sure. Check that there out. That sounds That's like awesome. fun, man. I know a few DJs awesome. that, that's, I yeah, feel like they that's would a good love different answer. I think to, that's the yeah. first. We, I like that. Yeah. So, uh, Khalif, why don't you tell um, everybody out there in podcast land and follow us on watching us on uh, Twitch where they can find you out on social media? But first, I got to thank you all for, for having me. It was a blast. Dude, thank you for being on. Thank you. Such an honor. Please, please, please pull me back in whenever you have an open slot. I would love to come back open in. Anytime. You can crash anytime. anytime. That's why we're crashing game night. We, we, can, we can talk more about Kevin Hart being tiny. and, and Yes. <laughs> it, would, it would be amazing to do that. Um, people can find me. Uh, we're on all podcast platforms. We are now part of the Fanbyte Network. Uh, so Ooh. you can find our shows over there uh we do our show live every wednesday night at 6 p.m pst uh, at twitch.tv slash spawn on me uh please check us out on youtube as well youtube.com slash spawn on me uh and our instagram is uh spawn on me podcast over at instagram we're trying to grow that and get into our uh our goal this year is to get every account that we have to twenty thousand followers we're almost there on the nice. on my personal nice. one nice. uh we we are almost at ten thousand on the show one on twitter uh nice. and all the other ones have to catch up real fast because they're slow yep. um, <laughs> but uh you know it's again it's one of those things where we get to have really fantastic conversations about you know all the things that most podcasts don't want to talk about in the video game space uh it has been um amazing to be able to do that with our with our wonderful Bacago residents and all the folks we've had on, on the show over the years um and we continue to kind of you know push the needle forward and, and, and try to figure out good ways that we can entertain and, and, and engage and, and enlighten uh in this video game industry in the ways that we can through a prism of blackness uh, and talking about all the things that kind of go along with that. So, you know, again, thank you so much for having me. And, and I hope Absolutely. you all continue to grow as much as you have mm-hmm. been growing. And it's fantastic to see all the work you've been doing and, and how thank much y'all you. have been, oh, been doing. Thank you, so, well. thank you so much, honestly, man. And congratulations to all of your success, yeah. man. Of all the hard work yep. pulled off. And, and mm-hmm. it, it's great to see good people getting their due. Yep. Appreciate that. And really. if you have, you have an open invitation. Anytime. Mm-hmm. We usually you, record. Man. We usually record Thursday nights. Um, we're gonna make it. We're gonna make an exception for uh, Tony Polanco here in a couple of weeks. We'll make his birthday. You know <laughs> that night. So um, once again, you know, thank you for crashing game night with us. Um, <clears> to everybody out there in uh, Twitch land that watch tonight, um, and podcast plan is gonna pick this up on Sunday um, when they listen to it and see the uh, the replay video on YouTube. Um, thank you guys for crashing game night with us. Um, you know, we can't do any of this without you guys. You guys are our support. You're our family. Um, just like uh, all our guests, they become part of the CGN family, guys. Um, so thank you. So if you like what you heard, as always, guys, hit that follow button on Twitch. Hit the subscribe button on the platform that you were listening to us on. Um, as always, guys, um, be excellent to each other and stay frosty. 
What is up, all my fellow nerds, all my gamers, all my peoples? Remember, the uh, struggle is still there, and I want to take this time and utilize uh, our guest, uh, Khalif. Uh, what can we do to uh, show more support to, to the Black Lives Matter? Uh, what moves can we take? What avenues can we, can we uh, go to to show support? Uh, the best thing you can do, especially on this platform right here, is there we're running, you know, Twitch is running a fantastic, you know, Black Lives Matter, Black History Month activation right now. You know, when you go to the front page of Twitch, there's a shelf underneath kind of your your, your, your initial streamers that you see on the, kind of the top shelf. That's all Black streamers. You can go support them uh, by going to their channels. Mm-hmm. Go and check out their work and go and check out their streams and giving them some love, too. Yep. You know, you can do that work. And again... What you want to do is always use your voices for good. See if there are ways that you can uplift voices of the uh, underrepresented. Find out ways that you can can talk, can talk to them um, and engage with them in good ways and, and share their stuff. Signal boosting people's work is one of the best and easiest ways you can get people uh, more visibility that they actually deserve. Awesome. Well, you heard, you heard it there. That's how you show support. The LBG Time's Up. Everybody show support. Spread the love. It's all about community. So mm-hmm. let's get there. each other up. Yep. Yep. Just again, Khalif, shout out to you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, everybody, please stay safe. I mean, like we have so many people going down that during these lockdown, lockdown times, during these quarantines, you know, like we can enjoy all the greatness that we used to once have. And, now the vaccines are starting to come out. Please get vaccinated if you have the ability to. I know right now it is difficult getting those out. Understand it is mm-hmm. very critical that we need to get that going because I miss going outside to, you know, hanging out with these guys when they're ever in town. Now I'm going to have to go to Arizona to hang out with them. <laughs> but, you know you're moving there with us. But yeah, in due time, you know, <laughs> but definitely stay safe. Social distance, wear masks. We're at the end of all this, and I keep reiterating that, you know, we're at the end, but just a little bit longer. Stay sane, stay safe, be kind and rewind, man. That's all we can say. There's too many, too many things going on outside that we got to make it. We're all, we're, we, we're all excited for 2021 and it's still here. So, you know, yeah. 2022, right. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 2021 yeah. is always getting ahead of himself already. <laughs> I don't know. Theo, do your thing. <laughs> Khalif, it was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. TTFN, ta-ta for now. Good night, everybody. <laughs>